Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> Kia ora everybody, I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. This episode is proudly brought to you by Your Birth Project, which is my hypnobirthing and calm birthing course. It is New Zealand based and online, but you can access it from anywhere, so you don't have to be in New Zealand for the course to be relevant to you. The course was created by me, and of course I host Kiwi Birth Tales, and the intention of the course is that as many families as possible have access to birthing techniques that will empower and inform them in their births. The course is targeted to the point learning so you won't spend hours wading through material that really isn't relevant and feels a little bit fluffy and it's a mixture of audio, video and downloads. The best part is you can stop and come back to it whenever it suits you and you have access for 12 months so you can purchase it at any stage in your pregnancy and revisit it as many times as you like. The online learning platform means that you have access to the course whenever you need it and there are no time pressures to get it finished. The course covers meditation, relaxation techniques, the ideal birth environment and so much more. It includes a section for birth partners and yeah, I just, I know you'll love it. So I'm super passionate about it and um, really looking forward to hearing your results. I'm super passionate about the accessibility of the course and I don't believe that birth courses need to be hundreds of dollars. So at the reasonable price of $89, I hope that as many families as possible will be able to reap the rewards through birth empowerment. You can access the course through at your birth project on Instagram or head to www.yourbirthproject.podia.com to find out more. I'll pop a link in the show notes if you're interested. I'll also be running a giveaway as part of this episode. So if you're interested in that, head to the Your Birth Project and Kiwi Birth Tales Instagram to find out more. In today's episode, I speak with Charlotte, and Charlotte takes us through her pregnancy and birth story. She fell pregnant unexpectedly, and she takes us through that journey with her partner. She talks through her pregnancy where she had some serious anxiety, and she was also really sick, so she didn't enjoy being pregnant, and she talks to that. And then we go through into her birth story. She talks about what her birth plan was and how she wanted her birth to go. She ended up getting stuck at three centimeters and it wasn't until she had an epidural that she made some serious progression. So it's really interesting hearing her talk through that. Then she talks us through their postpartum period, um, her experience with the baby blues, how she managed her anxiety and sort of what that felt like post-birth and their breastfeeding journey. So it's a really lovely and interesting episode. I'm grateful that Charlotte was willing to share with us and I hope you love it. So without me talking anymore, let's jump into the episode. Hi, Charlotte. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, no worries. Awesome. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about you and who's in your family? 
Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Charlotte. I'm 24 um, and I'm a postgrad student at the University of Otago um, and I'm working towards my PhD and I'm researching um, motherhood and kind of how we view mothers in society and why we do that and um, yeah, kind of all of all of that stuff because I study gender studies in the sociology department. Yeah. Um, and then I have my partner, Duncan, um, and we have been together for about three and a half years. Um, and then we have our daughter, Imogen, who's three and a half months old. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. And what an interesting um, topic to study. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And what was the journey like to pregnancy for you guys? Um, well, it was a very big surprise. So um, neither of us kind of were planning to get pregnant um, at all. In fact, we were kind of actively trying not to. Um, So at the time, I was living in Wellington with my parents and taking a break um, from study for a few months um, because my mental health had been quite bad, Um, just burning the candle at both ends and getting quite burnt out and not sure what I wanted to do next. Um, And Duncan, he's a dairy farmer, um, but he was actually taking a break from that to study radio school um, up in Tauranga. So he was up doing that and we were actually living separately. um, And yeah, I'd fly up and visit him kind of every month or so. Um, And yeah, we found out I was pregnant and were quite um, surprised Uh, So we had to kind of have a discussion about what we wanted to do and how it would work. And um, like if we wanted to continue with the pregnancy, like if it was something we could do at this point in our lives. Um, And so we kind of talked through all of that and yep, we decided that this is what we were doing and that we were ready. Um, And from there it was kind of no looking back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And how did you actually find out that you were pregnant? Were you sort of missing a period or did you have other symptoms? Um, So we'd actually had a like contraceptive failure. So we knew that there was a chance, um, but I was still like, oh no, I won't be, but I'll just make sure I don't drink or anything until my next period just to be safe. Um, And then about two weeks in, it hadn't come and I was a bit like, oh, Surely not, but I better just take a test to be sure. Um, And so we, I did. um, And again, I was back in Wellington at this point and Duncan was in Tauranga. um, And I took a test and it was a really, really faint second line. um, So much so that I had to like hold it perfectly (laughs) in the light to be able to see it. And when I took a photo of it to send Duncan, I was like trying to hold it so you could actually see it. And he didn't think I was crazy, you know, like sending him a test that yeah. didn't even look like it was um positive and so I called him and let him know and he was kind of just like oh surely not like we would have to be like the odds like surely we would have won the lottery or something like if this was happening like honestly um so yeah I decided like okay we just won't freak out yet and wait another week um and see if I get like if my period comes or if I get a stronger line Um, so a week later I literally took like a whole pack of pregnancy tests (laughs) and they were all very obviously positive. Um, and so yeah, from there we were like, okay, this is, 
this is happening now. Yeah, yeah. And how were you feeling in that first trimester? Did you have many symptoms that sort of popped up um, in those first 12 weeks? Um, Yeah, I had quite bad cramping to begin with. Um, And I guess that was why I thought maybe my period was coming for quite a while in there. Um, And looking back on it, it was probably like implantation Mm pains or whatever I know some women get those yeah um and then but other than that for the first six weeks I didn't really have anything um like the only reason I knew was you know because we had an idea that it could happen yeah um and but yeah from about six to eight weeks once I moved up to Tauranga um with Duncan we I got really sick. I say we because he was, it affected him as well because he was just constantly holding my hair and worrying about me and all the rest. So yeah, I actually couldn't do anything for the first 12 weeks. I was just lying around being miserable. Um, And I had to go to the hospital to get um, fluids and stuff. And there they mentioned that I might have hypermesis, um, which is just like really severe morning sickness. Yeah not a whole lot you can do about it. Um, so yeah, I just kind of had to deal with that and it was literally throwing up after every meal. It was, Mm -hmm. um, it was, it was pretty awful. Um, and then just the exhaustion that kind of comes with that. And, um, I actually had really bad cramping quite late into my first trimester as well, which would really kind of scare me and make me quite anxious, but, um, it ended up being, you know, all okay. And, all healthy and everything um so yeah yeah and how long did the sickness last for um honestly it was like the really bad vomiting was probably better by 20 weeks but I was throwing up like all through my pregnancy um kind of in all honesty like I thought that I would be this lovely glowing pregnant woman um that's how my mum and my older sister were my older sister has two kids um and yeah she's just gorgeous in her pregnancies like (laughs) loves life beautiful glowing skin so much energy and I was just the opposite like I I hated it I just did not enjoy being pregnant um and everybody kind of just kept saying like oh you hit 20 weeks and it gets better and then you get your burst when you you know go into nesting and there's all of these different things people kept being like it's going to get better and so I feel like I was just kind of waiting Mm -hmm. the whole time for it to get better and then felt really devastated when it didn't yeah yeah um so yeah to anyone going through that I would just say (laughs) don't keep looking forward (laughs) to something being better just try and find ways to like cope with how you are each day because I feel like I wasted so much of my pregnancy like waiting to feel Mm. better and then feeling really devastated when it didn't happen um because yeah I just wasn't myself like at all yeah no I can relate to that quite a lot um yeah (laughs) and had you chosen to go with a midwife for your care yeah so we did um straight away decide to go with a midwife um but it was quite confusing for us because we were moving around all over the place um so I moved up to Tauranga to be with Duncan obviously and so that we could make plans um so I needed a midwife then um and he started looking for a like to a job to go back to dairy farming for another couple of years while um the baby was small just to kind of 
give us some stability and stuff like that. Um, so we got a midwife up in Tauranga, but it was actually really hard to find one because we weren't going to be there for the duration of the pregnancy. Yeah. Um, so we ended up finding a midwife in Papamoa and it was a clinic and the receptionist who's also a midwife was happy to take me for my first 12 weeks, which was really kind of her. Um, so she kind of did all of our initial care. Um, and then when I was 12, Oh, around 14 weeks, I think we found out that we were moving back to Dunedin and Duncan had gotten a job and it was close to my study. So that was perfect. Um, but by then, because there's such a shortage of midwives in Dunedin, it was so hard to find one. Mm. Um, and I was texting and calling like everybody on find my midwife and just kept getting kind of no, sorry, fully booked um, constantly. Um, so I started to get really anxious about that and I didn't know what my care would look like if I couldn't yeah. get a midwife. Um, but then our midwife ended up texting me um, and letting me know that for whatever reason she could take us now. Um, and so we ended up going with her and she was absolutely amazing. We like adored her and clicked so well <laughs> with her. So I guess that was lucky considering she was our only choice really yeah yeah awesome and did you do all of the standard testing that's offered in New Zealand throughout your pregnancy did you find out the sex and everything like that yeah we did so we just kind of went with wanting as much information as possible the whole way through um just I'm a big planner and so I always like I'm a little bit of a control freak (laughs) and there's nothing like a pregnancy to mess with that because (laughs) everything is just so out of your control um so yeah, we did we did all of the scans and all of the testing. So we actually had two dating scans early on. Um, the first, it was so early that they couldn't even really see much. So we had to have another one a couple of weeks later. Um, and that was just to date it and get an accurate due date and all of that. And then we had our 12-week scan and all of the screening there. Um, and yeah, 20 weeks. And we did decide to find out the sex of the baby um just because we wanted to kind of celebrate a little bit um and kind of have that moment and it really helped me to connect with her a wee bit um because it was like she was more of a little person um which I wasn't really expecting because I study gender and I'm (laughs) kind of constantly going on about how none of that stuff matters but um so yeah I was quite taken aback about how emotional I was that I knew that she was a girl and that yeah, just that little piece of information, I think, really kept me going yeah. as well. Like, I really needed something at that 20-week mark yeah. because I was struggling so much yeah. um, just to keep me going. So, yeah, that was really nice. Yeah, awesome. Cool. And what about antenatal classes? Did you do sort of any um, antenatal or birth classes or any birth education before your labour? Um, we had it all planned. So I had a hypnobirthing course and I was super excited to do that. Um, and then we had one Plunkett antenatal course um, and then all of the COVID stuff kind of kicked mm. off. So all of that got um, cancelled or moved to online. Um, and I almost had like a mental block with COVID um, because it was so unknown. Yeah. And I think when we went into level I was only 32 weeks so I still had a lot of hope that things would be a lot more sorted out um, by the time I went into labor but I really just kind of put a mental block on labor um, 
and kind of that even happening because I was just so terrified Mm. that Duncan wasn't going to be able to be with me or that something wasn't going to work or that the hospitals were going to be overrun and, you know, information with who could go to the hospital and what could happen with birth plans was changing constantly at that point. Um, And so, yeah, I just kind of shut down. So I didn't really want to do the birth classes online and I just kind of, I couldn't cope with even thinking that far ahead. I just had to focus on getting through um, the pregnancy. So yeah, we got one plunket antenatal <laughs> class in there and the rest, yeah, kind of fell fell to the wayside when everything happened with COVID. Yeah, yeah fair enough. And what about um, sort of a birth plan or your thoughts around how you might like your birth to go? Did you have many thoughts there? Yeah, I did. So I always imagined that I'd have both my sisters there. I have an older sister and a younger sister Um, And my older sister has two girls and I was at the birth of her first um, and that was really special and she was absolutely amazing and did it completely drug free and it was just this amazing experience. I was about 18 at the time and um, yeah, it made me feel really prepared for having a baby one day. Um, So I really liked the idea of doing that for my little sister and having my older sister there to support me. Um, But pretty early... By about 30 weeks, um, our midwife let us know that it was unlikely that anybody but partners would be able to be at the hospital, um, even if things calmed down. Um, And my older sister lives up in Wellington in the Wairapa, um, and so we knew she probably wouldn't be able to travel. So we kind of um, sorted that out in my brain like early on, just kind of cut that off as an option so I didn't feel really devastated if it didn't happen. Um, so it just ended up being me and Duncan and my midwife, um, which I actually ended up preferring. Um, and then, yeah, I had this plan of wanting to do it as naturally as possible, but also being happy with, if there needed to be intervention, then there needed to be intervention and any way to get the baby there happy and comfortable was fine. Um, I knew I wanted to do it at the hospital and not at home and, I knew that I needed Duncan there. And other than that, I was pretty like, we'll just see what happens, really. Yeah, yeah, cool. And did you do anything in preparation for birth, like uh, antenatal expressing, raspberry leaf tea, perennial massage, anything like that? Yeah, so by the time I was 38 weeks, I was so over (laughs) being pregnant. Um, I had really strong Brixton Hicks from about halfway through um, and at that point they were getting really uncomfortable um, and would also reach kind of a golden window with the hospitals and stuff with COVID. So I was like, I want this baby out. Um, And at around that time I started having stop-start contractions um, on and off um, and at 39 weeks I had to go to the hospital because they were really bad and I was quite distressed about them um and so from there our midwife and the obstetrician at the hospital kind of decided to start getting things trying to get things going for me as naturally as possible like a bit earlier than they normally would um so when I was 39 weeks um I started having stretch and sweeps and I started drinking all of the raspberry leaf tea Mm -hmm. and just walking around and around in circuits on the farm anytime I had like 
my stop start contractions, whether it was rain or shine, like it was the middle of winter and snowing on the mountains. <laughs> and I was like, we're going for a walk because if this baby might come, I'm going to like do everything yeah. I can. Um, and I started eating heaps of dates. Yep. Apparently that's one that mm-hmm. really works for, well, you, I guess. Um, so I was eating all of the dates and bouncing on my Swiss ball and yeah, I was just about to try prim- evening primrose oil as I went into yep. labor. So yeah. yeah. Awesome. And did your labor start spontaneously? Do you want to take us through that? How far along you were and what that was like? Yeah. So, um, baby ended up deciding to cooperate with us <laughs> all trying to get her out. Um, so we, oh, what was it? We had a, just after I'd been to the hospital a few days later, so I would have been about 39 and a half weeks, um, I went and had my first stretch and sweep with my midwife. So that was on a Tuesday morning. Um, and we went and did that and I hated it, but it was good and we got it done. Um, and she said that it was quite a successful, um, stretch and sweep. Like I wasn't dilated at all when she did it, but she managed to get me to about one centimeter. Um, and then we went home and again, I'd been having those really strong contractions that I'd get like four hours where I'd think, oh, I'm going into labor and then I'd just stop. Um, so by this point, whenever I got them, I was like, nah, it won't be labor. They'll just go away. Um, so I was up that night with really strong contractions, but just went back to bed. Um, and then at about 10 a.m. on the Wednesday morning, I started getting really strong, consistent ones. Um And in the back of my mind, I was like, this could be it. And I think deep down I did know, but also the part of my brain that was so over being devastated that it kept starting (laughs) and stopping was like, nah, it's not labor, so it's fine. We're going to go about our day. Like, I don't even care. Um, We had – it was actually really funny because we had a 40-week growth scan booked um, for that day uh, just to – double check that everything was okay because I'd been in the hospital you know a few days before um and I was lying on the table and my whole stomach like looking back on it now I was in pretty intense like not super intense but you know like the Mm -hmm. start of labor um and my whole stomach was like contracting on the table and I was in so much pain and the sonographer was like are you okay what's going on and I was like oh these are just these stupid contraction (laughs) things that aren't labor and they go away and she was kind of like uh okay um right well we'll just hurry hurry this along and like get you going um because I think she was kind of like this woman is fully in labor and I don't know what to do yeah here um so she made some comment about how she'd send through the images if we hadn't met our baby by the time we got them um and yeah I, I I got up and I was like, oh, whatever. And um, we were in the middle of the supermarket and then I was very suddenly like, okay, I think we need to go home. Like I think this is starting to get too intense. Um, So we went home for the afternoon and just kind of kept writing them out and started timing them and did a couple of laps um, of the farm. Um, And so, yeah, by this point it was about 5 p.m. and they were getting closer together. but I was still a little bit like, uh, they could stop at any time. Um, so I texted, oh yeah, no, we were about to, I had a shower to kind of try and, um, 
calm myself down and get in the zone a little bit more. Um, and after that, I started to get my um, mucus yeah. plug come away. Um, and so it was kind of at that point I was like, oh, my God, it might actually be happening. Like, this is this is it. Um, so I texted my midwife and just said, like, this is what's been happening. I've been having contractions since 10, um, and I've just started to get my, like, show. Um, and so she said, okay, fingers crossed. Um, and, yeah, we just – my plan was always to stay at home, like, as long as we could um, and just try to go to the hospital yeah. for active labor. Um, so – we just kind of relaxed and wound down for the night and I had lots of baths and showers and I managed to get three or four hours sleep, which was pretty good considering how strong the contractions were getting. Um, and then, yeah, we got up at about 4am and I really wanted to make it to at least six in the morning so that my midwife could have a full night's sleep, like give her as much sleep as we possibly could. Um, so we went for another walk in the rain and the dark and came back um, and then called my midwife and they were getting like quite close together at this point. Um, Duncan had been timing them the whole way. Um, and so she said, okay, give it another hour and then drive into the airport, uh, into the airport, <laughs> into the yeah. um, hospital. Um, because yeah, it sounds like there's, there's something happening. So yeah, that's the point that um, at about 7.30 we arrived at the hospital and yeah, it was kind of all we'll go yeah. from there yeah awesome and do you want to take us into the rest of your birth story now yeah sure so yeah we got to the hospital at about seven thirty, and by this point I was like oh my gosh this is like next level like there were a lot of um squeezing Duncan moments mm-hmm. in the car um and trying to find a park and because the maternity at Dunedin Hospital there's really terrible parking um like there's not a proper car park or anything um so there's half an hour parks outside a special entrance to the maternity ward so we parked up there um but it was still closed because of covid that entrance there was only one hospital so we had to walk like around the block to get into the hospital and at this point all of the students were like it's such a student city and they were all walking to the AM lectures and I was like stopping in the middle of the street and like trying not to scream and almost having this out-of-body experience because normally I'm one of the (laughs) students walking through to campus and now I'm there like trying to get into the hospital because I'm having a baby um and yeah some really nice like nice people kept stopping and checking that we were okay and it was just like yep we just need to get into the hospital like I just knew that um in any other like situation if I wasn't so in it I would be so mortified that I was having contractions (laughs) in the middle of the street um but anyway we got in um we got up to the hospital and my midwife was there and she was all ready and our student midwife was there as well Um, which was actually really awesome having a student midwife. I'd totally recommend it to anyone who's unsure. Um, And, yeah, we were there and she checked me and I was only two centimetres. But I'd kind of prepared myself for that at that point. Like, okay, you know, it might not be, you know, you've jumped all the way to five or anything like that. Um, So that was okay and I just wanted to – yeah, like I said earlier, try and do it as naturally as possible. Um, and my midwife knew that that's what I wanted. So I knew that 
we'd agreed that she would only offer things if she thought medically mm-hmm. it was a good call. Um, and because we had such a good relationship, like I really trusted that she would only intervene if she really thought I needed to. Um, so yeah, we like, I had lots of showers, um, and stuff like that. And yeah, lots of squeezing Duncan and, um, my midwife tried to kind of help me get into some positions that might help things along a bit. Um, and then at about one o'clock, um, I had another exam, um, and I was still only Mm -hmm. two centimeters. Like I hadn't progressed at all. Um, and by this point I was finding it really hard to focus through my contractions, um, and kind of get through it. Like I was starting to get quite upset and distressed. Um, and I'd been throwing up quite a bit throughout labor as well. Um, and at one point I kind of glanced at myself in the mirror and I was just so Mm -hmm. white and pale and sick looking and had these really bad bags under my eyes and, that was the only point where I actually felt kind of scared. I was like, okay, are we going to be able to do this? Um, and there was just no kind of end in sight. Um, and so I think my midwife kind of picked it up on that. Um, and at this point I think I was like on the floor leaning over a Swiss ball or something because I remember being down low and her and Duncan got down and kind of talked to me and we agreed that um, she'd give me some morphine just to like, calm me down and give me a little bit of a break um because she thought maybe if my body had some rest I might actually Mm. dilate faster um so we agreed to do that and that was all good I probably had that at about um three o'clock and yeah that was it was weird like I didn't really like it but I needed it um it's a really weird thing to have because it's like you can still feel your contractions but and they're painful mm-hmm. but you just almost don't register the pain it's really hard to describe um but really kind of a weird almost yeah icky feeling um and when you're sleeping you're having these really weird like I was having these really weird almost like fever dream things um but at least I was like resting like I felt quite calm once I had it um but by then like I had to be fully um, monitored and like have the monitors on me so that they could yeah. listen to Bubba's heartbeat. And um, they gave me some fluids through an IV so that, cause I'd been throwing up quite a bit um, and all of that. And yeah, the obstetrician came in and had a look in the afternoon um, and I was still only three um, and my contractions had come back and they'd come back worse because I'd been, lying Mm. on my side and Imogen had moved around to be posterior. Um, So they kind of came back with a real vengeance at that point. Um, And so they decided that they'd be able to offer me an epidural at three centimeters instead of four, um, just because by this point it was getting on 30 hours um, and I was still only at three centimeters. Um, So they did that and the epidural was something that I didn't think I'd have and something that I didn't think that I'd like, um, but I just really needed it at that point. Um, And my midwife was really good at managing kind of me feeling really disappointed and upset that I had to Mm -hmm. not do it naturally 
um, if that makes sense. Um, so her and my student midwife were really great at kind of supporting me through that. And I think that it changed it from being something that could have been quite like traumatic and upsetting such a long labor and just not coping very well um, into something that was still really positive. Like I still felt really proud of myself yeah. that I'd gotten to where I had and all of that. So that was really nice. Um, and yeah, I had the epidural and it was like, mm -hmm magic like I was instantly myself again I was like up in bed like calling my mum and my sisters like hey I've had an epidural and the baby will be here soon and da 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 like just chatting away to everyone and so relaxed um and obviously it's what my body needed was some rest and a break because within an hour I jumped from three centimeters of the last check yeah. to nine and a half um so it all just completely happened um, once I'd had the epidural so yeah I definitely needed it um, and afterwards my midwife talked to me about it and she said that for me it was probably the difference between um, having being able to have the baby mm. like naturally in terms of like having a vaginal delivery um, and a c-section um, because I just wouldn't have physically been able to yeah push her out if I hadn't have had the epidural um and so yeah I just kind of hung out for a few hours while they waited for baby to do a thing and come down she um they thought they might have to give her like some what is it oxytocin I can't remember what it was is it oxytocin to like yeah if your contractions yeah. slow down and then she won't she yeah so they were like you might need some of this and blah 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 but she was happy as could be which was just like my whole pregnancy like my body wasn't coping and I wasn't coping very well but Imogen was just stoked the whole time with this really strong heartbeat just didn't have a care in the world um and so yeah at nine o'clock my midwife had to go um she was 24 weeks pregnant herself um, or something like that and she hadn't left my side mm -hmm. since I got there at like 7 30 in the morning um and so she handed over to her colleague Nikki um and she was kind of like oh you know you haven't started pushing yet and I'd stay if there was any chance of me catching baby but you know she probably won't be here until tomorrow um and I was like oh no that's fine I understand and that's all good and so Nikki took over so um my midwife <laughs> left at nine and we kind of set me up to um, push and they kind of explained to me that it can be a couple of hours and this was going to get really into the hard stuff again um, and to, you know, prepare myself. And so I was like, right, <laughs> I'm ready to go. I've, like, got all the determination. Um, and then I had oh, her wow. out in three contractions. <laughs> so I think I pushed for 13 minutes yeah. um, in total. And we kind of got her out and um, Duncan caught her, which was really yeah. – beautiful um because he was at first mm. worried about even looking and cutting the cord and all of that and was quite nervous um and again we just had really supportive midwives yeah. who were like no nah, get in there dad you know you can be the first one to touch her and you can do that and he was so proud of himself um and he's still so yeah. happy and he tells everybody that he caught her so um yeah that's something I definitely recommend to talk to your partner about because it is so special if it's yeah. something that they're interested in doing, but maybe just a little bit um, 
cautious so he put her on me and we had kind of a second of that beautiful moment of like oh my god it's our baby and then we all looked at each other and we were just like oh no (laughs) um and so Nikki took a photo straight away and sent it to her and she texted oh, back no. and she was like, no way. Like, you're kidding me. I missed catching um, catching the baby because she was, yeah, so excited yeah. to, you know, like deliver the baby and everything. So that was quite quite funny. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, and then, yeah. then she was there. So it was, all, it was all good from there. Yeah, amazing. And did you need any stitches or anything like that from your birth? Yeah, I did. I had, I think it was... Oh, honestly, it's all a bit of a haze, but I think they said yeah. three second degree tears um, and then a lot of grazing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they stitched me up. And at that point, I was really grateful for the epidural because I um, couldn't feel a thing. And mm-hmm. the student midwife just helped me kind of latch Imogen um, and give her lots of cuddles and get on skin time while they did. Um all of that um so yeah that was all good and then they helped move me to my room and yeah we were all set up and settled by midnight I think (laughs) so yeah yeah awesome very cool and how long did you end up spending in the hospital um well it was still level two with COVID um and so pretty much as soon as we were settled in our room they told Duncan he had to leave um, yeah. which I found really hard, like it was super difficult mm. um, because I couldn't walk from my epidural. I just kind of, I think my labor was like 35 hours, 36 all up. Um, it was the middle of the night yeah. and I just kind of had this new baby next, like put next to me in a bassinet and Duncan had to leave. Um, and I think we were coming into level one like the next day or something or like a couple of days from then, like we knew we were coming down. Um, and I felt yep. quite upset and angry because like at that point, everybody was kind of living life as normal. Like people were going to cafes yeah. and doing all yeah. of that. And like, I couldn't have my partner just sit in a lazy boy next to me while he held the baby and I could have some sleep. Um, mm-hmm. So that was really hard. I felt, I felt really upset about that. Um, and he wasn't allowed to come back until, 2 p.m. the next day and then he'd only be allowed to stay until 6. Um, So I was kind of up all night and then at 6 in the morning I buzzed the midwife and was like, what do I have to do to get out of here pretty much? Mm -hmm. Um, And they really wanted me to stay for longer um, and kind of make sure I was recovered and maybe stay another night, but I just had to get out of there like – as soon as possible because I just wasn't really coping without um Duncan with me so I got myself up walking and showered and got them to take my catheter out and all of that probably way faster than I should have um but yeah I just couldn't mentally cope with the idea of him not being back until 2 p.m um and so they discharged me by around 11 o'clock I think um and then we came home and Honestly, being home was just so nice um, compared to the hospital for me. I know some people, like, you know, really feel like they need the support of the hospital and I think a birthing, a birth care unit would have been my ideal, Um, but there's nothing like that in Dunedin. Um, So, yeah, we came home and my little sister was here to 
kind of help and greet us and all of that and she'd cleaned our house for us all nice um so yeah so just from yeah the time so she was born at 9 13 p.m and I was um out of hospital by midday the next day yeah yeah cool and how did you find um yeah the adjustment once you got home and obviously you've got this little person to care for and yeah your life's completely changed yeah how did you find um I guess those initial few days and did you get the baby blues or anything like that? Yeah. So honestly, like it was really exhausting, like having a new baby is and, you know, you don't sleep and you feel like you're running on nothing. But honestly, I feel like just all of my adrenaline and all of my hormones kicked in and I actually felt okay. Like I was so tired and so overwhelmed, but I just had this huge sense of relief because I'd been so anxious and like scared that something Mm -hmm. bad was going to happen the whole way through my pregnancy, Um, like severe anxiety. Like I was so worried about her movements and I'd feel physically sick before scans and heartbeat checks and all of that. Um, And I was really worried that that was going to carry over into when she was with us um, and that, yeah, my mental health might start to be, a problem um but honestly like as soon as I had her it just all of that went away and so it was mostly just this like immense sense of relief that I just felt like yeah everything was okay now because I could see her I could touch her I could see that she was okay and that if there was any indication she wasn't I'd be able to see it and pick up on it and like do something um yeah so there was that and then um yeah I feel like I it kind of came to me pretty naturally. Like I've always really loved babies and little children. And I have um, three nieces that I've been quite involved with all of them as tiny little babies um, because my family's close. So yeah, I felt like we had it pretty under control and we had family coming and going and helping and stuff like that. Um, Ironically, my, I did get baby blues where I just sob um and it was ironically because I kept being sad I wasn't pregnant anymore for some reason (laughs) even though I absolutely hated being pregnant so like every time we did something for the first time that the last time I did it I was pregnant I would just burst into tears and be like last time we did this walk I was pregnant and like last time I was in the shower I was pregnant and just (laughs) it was so odd um and I think it was honestly just almost like like I talked to Duncan about it and I think it was almost just kind of grief for that like it's such a harsh adjustment of like your life before kids and you you just suddenly have kids and like or or you know your baby and you just know that nothing's going to be the same and it's not a bad or a negative thing but it almost is like mourning for that beautiful time where you're waiting for your baby and what's life going to be like. And then suddenly it's happening and you're like, oh, but I miss the feeling of, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, I'm pregnant and, you know, my belly, like it's just, it was really odd. Um, And the other thing I found really hard was I think partly from being at the hospital without Duncan, the midwives would come and take Imogen away so that I could try and sleep um, Mm -hmm. at the hospital and it made me really anxious and upset and I'd always want her back. Um, and I think that carried over a little bit into our at home life. Um, 
because any if anybody but Duncan tried to hold her while I slept, I'd just get really, really upset and feel like she should be with me and nobody else should. Like I almost had this really odd like aversion to other people yeah. touching her and holding her. Um, and so I would like – I knew I had to sleep. So, you know, like Duncan would come to bed with me and I would just literally like – cry myself to sleep because somebody Mm. in the next room was holding Imogen and it's so irrational and I completely trusted all of my family and all of Duncan's family and whoever was helping and I was so grateful but I just couldn't stand her not being with me um and so that was probably like the hardest the hardest thing um but we got over that like in the first kind of couple of weeks and yeah it was okay it wasn't at any point like anything that I was worried about was an indicator of like continued bad mental health um it was always just kind of these periods where I just kind of sob uncontrollably and then feel okay again (laughs) Um, kind of immediately (laughs) afterwards it was yeah really strange because I don't like crying and I don't like other people seeing me cry and I was just bawling 24 7 (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can relate to that for sure. And yeah. what about your um your breastfeeding journey? How's that been? Do you want to talk us through that? Um, it's actually been really good. We've been really lucky. So I knew I wanted to breastfeed, um, and my mum breastfed all four of us kids and my sister breastfeeds her two girls and um all of that. So I knew I really wanted to do it. Um and yeah, I never really considered bottle feeding or anything like that. Um, but right before she was born at about 38 weeks, I suddenly felt quite um, panicked because I was like, oh my God, I haven't even considered what if something doesn't work or something doesn't take. Um, and one of my biggest kind of worries about leaving the hospital early was leaving and not knowing that she was getting everything she needed mm-hmm. from me. Um, and so my midwife was really great with that and like easing my stress. So she showed me how to hand express, um, into, and keep it in syringes in the freezer. Um, and she just kind of explained that if I wanted to do that, um, a few times, uh, when she was new, then that meant that, um, I could just give her like a little top up if I was worried that she Mm -hmm. hadn't gotten enough. Um, and yeah, my midwife was also really great. She was like, I'm going to come, she came every day for the first week um, and she was like, so the only period where you're going to be completely alone where you could be worried that she's not getting enough is, you know, from six at night till six in the morning. So if you just have those syringes, then worst case over that time, you can give her those and then we can um, like, you know, sort it out when I'm with you, I'll come see you. Um, but it was just fine. She was a little fiend, like, from the get-go. She came out doing, like, a little – you know how they do their little, like, milky faces where they poke out their tongue, like, to <laughs> yeah. tell you that they want milk? She came out doing that and just, yeah, wanted to be latched 24-7 and um, had a really a really good, a good latch. And, yeah, I was just so relieved and so grateful because the starting of breastfeeding was really painful um, and really – awful like physically um but I knew that she was getting everything that she needed so that kind of got me through and yeah it just made me really feel for mums who go through all of that and all of that physical pain 
but they've also got the stress of baby not getting yeah. what they need from it or not latching properly on top of it. Like I just, I just can't um, imagine. But yeah, she's um, yeah fine. She just she goes she goes for it. She's still <laughs> still going. All she ever wants to do is <laughs> yeah. feed, and she's three and a half months. And I feel like they're never going to be spaced out at this point. <laughs> but we'll keep working on it, and yeah, hopefully we'll get there. Yeah, yeah, cool. And what about your physical recovery from birth? How have you found that? Um, I found it, I was weirdly prepared or I was almost more prepared for the pain of postpartum than I was for like labor in in a weird way. Like my mum and my sister had always been very open about how awful and uncomfortable postpartum can be, but it's also the time that nobody really talks about, Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I was really, like, mentally prepared, like, eye of the tiger, like, it's going to be three weeks and I'm going to be so uncomfortable and it's going to be awful, so just get through it. Um, and so I think because I kind of had that worst case in my head, it wasn't too bad. Um, yeah. So my stitches all healed really, really well um, to begin with and up until the six-week mark where um, my midwife left, like, everything was looking good. Um, but then when Imogen was about eight weeks old, um, like I was really run down and hadn't really been looking after myself enough. Um, and so obviously a tear had reopened or, um, something like that and it had gotten infected and I'd been ignoring, um, a lot of the kind of pain symptoms because I was Mm -hmm. busy looking after my little person and, um, not myself. Um, and so it got bad really suddenly and I started getting really bad, um, night sweats and body aches and all the Mm -hmm. rest. So we had to go to the urgent doctors, um, and sort that out and go on antibiotics, um, to try and clear that up. And that was almost way harder than when I was really sore and uncomfortable postpartum Mm -hmm. because it felt like going backwards. Like I had been feeling really healed and recovered um, and then yeah, it felt like three steps backwards and back to like wincing when I sat down and, um, all of that. So yeah, that was difficult, but I had like good doctors and I've just been trying to keep an eye on it a bit, a bit more. And I've been really frustrated at times when like I go for a walk and I come home and, you know, everything just aches Mm -hmm. and I still feel a lot of pain and, you know, you Google it and it tells you that your stitches heal in 10 weeks but it's so obvious that it's just the surface healing in reality yeah. and that your body actually takes a really long time um to to recover so I think I was really prepared for that first kind of couple of weeks but not how long everything kind of drags out for and how sometimes you'll just have days where like you're really sore and you don't know why and you feel yeah. kind of worried but then it just goes away again and it's back mm-hmm. <laughs> back to normal but um yeah, all in all, it's been pretty like smooth and we've been really lucky and yeah, um, everything's gone, gone pretty well. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. And is there anything else that you'd like to share in regards to your journey or your birth story before we close up? Um, not really. One thing I would say is just, um, to anyone out there who's kind of had you know mental health issues in the past um and is worrying that that might affect their parenting or make them 
less good mothers um, or worry about how health professionals might see them or see them as risky. Like, you know, like there's people that are there for you and that who completely understand and you just need your support systems and nothing else matters and you can still be like the best parent in the world while you're managing your mental health um, and all of that because, yeah, I found that incredibly hard and I was really worried the whole way through that people would kind of judge me and, Mm. you know, my midwife might, you know, put it as a red flag and she did in a way – but in like a really kind, like just treating it like another part of my medical history yeah. um, way. And so, yeah, and like I said, I was I had such bad anxiety all the way through my pregnancy and then she's been here and everything's been absolutely fine and it yeah. all cleared up for me and I'm very lucky in that way. But, um, yeah, just that like you can get through it and it's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. I think that's great advice. Thank you. And thank you so much, Charlotte, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. I've really loved talking to you. So yeah, I really appreciate it. No worries. Yeah, no, that's great. Thank you so much. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I hope you have enjoyed it. And a special thank you to Charlotte, of course, for sharing her story with us all. Another uh, reminder that this episode is sponsored by Your Birth Project. So that is my hypnobirthing or calm birthing course. And I know that you'll love it if you give it a try. So yeah, I'd love for you to show your support there. And if you can't do that, then I would really, really appreciate it if you could leave me a review and a star rating on whatever podcast app you are listening on or send me your feedback on Instagram or email. I love to hear from you. And yeah, I'd love to chat. So I'd really appreciate that. Looking forward to bringing you the next story. Thanks again for listening. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.